that, you know, it's like how kids talk about baseball players. That's how we talk about albums. We're just trying to postpone mortality. They need that to fill some kind of void that they have. The search for the Yeti. He's a duck. <laughs> well, don't interfucking rough. Hello and welcome to another bonus episode of the Smashing Pumpcast. I'm Frank, and today we're talking more Oceania, specifically the Oceania Australian and New Zealand tour. And here to discuss those shows with me is a longtime Smashing Pumpkins fan from Perth, Australia, and one of the founders of Osphoria. Please welcome to the Pumpcast, Simon Metaljan. Simon, welcome to the Pumpcast. Thank you, Frank. Very excited to be here today. Yeah, uh, so we're tackling Oceania right now, but before we get into that era or these shows, we ask everybody who comes onto the Smashing Pumpcast, what is your history with the Smashing Pumpkins and or Billy Corgan, and what is Osphoria? Sure, sure. Uh, look, I think I have a very common sort of story to many people out there, you know, child of the 90s. Um, older siblings get you into uh, get you into music, and you end up following in their sort of footsteps. So um, it would have been early '90s. My brother had a taped copy of the single soundtrack, and uh, he was a massive Pearl Jam fan, and so that's what I always heard. But then, through that soundtrack, started to obviously be introduced to some other acts, and so Drown was technically my first sort of introduction to to the Pumpkins. Um, I thought it was long and winded and just didn't, you know, see the, the, the big deal. And uh, the, the Pumpkins were kind of always this band that I knew of. I never, I didn't get that sort of obsession. I you know, had Siamese Dream, I had Melancholy, I listened to them, but my obsessions kind of uh, sat elsewhere. Um, and it wasn't really until Machina came along that that's where something clicked. I think I had finished high school at that stage. I was that, you know, in that moment of life where it's like, well, what am I doing next in, in, in my life? And um, yeah, Machina kind of just uh, connected with me. And then my obsessive sort of um, uh, personality kicked in. And then it was like, oh my God, I need to just go back and listen to everything that this band has done. And, you know, then that got me involved in the online community. And from that, it was then I want to get every single um, uh, live recording that exists, demo, tape, trade with people from all, all across the globe. And um, then it just became an obsession of collecting every single sort of vinyl and all, all of those, those sorts of things. But um, uh, never got to see the, the band in, in the 90s. Um, uh, you know, they only came to my hometown in 94 and 96 uh, back in the day. And um, yeah, was too young to, to make it to to the tour uh, at that stage. So, but um, yeah, so that that was that that was kind of my introduction and uh, where the obsession sort of first began. What what was it about Machina? Do you think? Uh, I don't know if you've ever kind of sat down to think about what it was about Machina that connected to you. But what was it? Can you probably guess? Was that? for some reason just got to you. I think when I started to, because, uh, you know, on online it was all the machine and mystery and everything else that was going on ar ar around it and the, right. the, the bigger sort of uh, story behind it, I think it was that. There was 
the, it became more than just the the songs. It was you know Billy talking at that stage about the the story of um, you know June and Glass at that stage and zero. It started like going oh, this guy actually thinks about things a lot more in depth than your your average sort of you know lead singer of a of a band. And that's where I think for right. me it was that sort of obsession. Plus the connection of a lot of those songs still just stays really true to me and then when you know Machina 2 came out and it was just like the whole body of work and I got to see it in real time um, yeah it uh, all coming out at, in that sort of less than a 12 month sort of period um, was really exciting and plus the yeah definitely the online community I think connecting with people on the the official board at that stage it just added to oh these are these are my people you know I didn't have these people at high yeah. school I didn't have that that, that group of friends to really connect with about, you know, the musical obsession. So, I think all of those sorts of things in one big pot, it leads to, yeah, why that album yeah. stays true. Do you remember your username on that board? So, it, yes, um, embarrassingly, I do. Um, it started off with uh, being sunk to zero was um, uh-huh. uh, why. And it was, oh, there was this, like, Australian band that... Um, they were embarrassingly a new metal band that I was into at that time, and that's where the sunk came yeah, look, from. Look, I was into new metal too. Okay, it's all good, good. good. <laughs> that's the era. I'm in good company there. Um, yeah, so there was, uh, so there was that, and my obsession, obviously, with the pumpkins, and I, I mashed them together. And I remember I had a friend of me, mine say, "He goes, I'm not typing that. I'm just going to call you Sunky, and uh, it's that's still my handler and my username everywhere on the internet as Sunky, and purely because nice. of someone giving me that nickname back in 2000. So. So explain to us what Osphoria is and how that came about from, I guess, your yeah. uh, getting involved with the online community. Yeah, that was really the, the genesis. It was um, the, on the um, official board, uh, connected with a number of Australians, um, uh, and you know we would just be constantly chatting all, all the time. And uh, that's where I spent many, many hours of, of my life. And then, you know, the community existed even post breakup, it existed um, to I think it was around 2002 before like Swan started to you know kick off, and I think you know Billy was like, okay, we've got to shut this down. We're moving on to the to the future. And I was at a stage where um, uh, I was studying design and uh, building websites and and that sort of space, and there was this community of you know 30, 40 or so Australians that I didn't want to lose contact with, you know. There was no social media at that stage. There was no, um, there was no way that we could all kind of stay together unless it was a message board or we set up like an MSN chat. But there was, right. you know what I mean. Like yeah. I'm, I'm feeling ancient just mentioning all of these things now. Um, yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah. And so I was worried that oh, there's all these people I've just formed really close friendships with and and everything and I was going to lose contact with them so I was like I can build a website can't be that hard so I did that and then you know registered a um uh, a, a forum and and went from there and so it was June 20 uh, t- sorry 2002 that we started um and then um soon after I, I launched that um you know, we all kind of got together. It was about 30, 40 of us or so. And um, uh, my now wife, I met through the Smashing Pumpkins online forum. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, my wife, Bree, um, 
her and I had chatted online for, for years and years. And um, after I started Osphoria, she came over to that. And we met up in person probably about three or four months after I launched Osphoria. And the rest is history, like 20, what are we, 21 years together now or something. So um, thanks, Pumpkins. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then Osphoria just started to grow from that. You know, her and I really built it as a bit of a passion project, a way of really... Um, uh, continuing to celebrate the, the Pumpkins music because, you know, we were worried that they were going to be forgotten. I don't know why we thought that, <laughs> but we did. I mean, it'll look kind of dicey there for a while. Oh, yeah. totally. And, you know, yeah. um, we also wanted to, to celebrate what the the individual um, members were doing at that time. So, obviously, Zwan, um, you know, James had a few little solo, um, solo projects going on as well. So, um, yeah, the community began to grow and then we started just like thinking about, well, what are some other things that we can do? Um, you know, we held a number of tribute concerts uh, within Perth. So we would get like local oh, nice. uh, Perth bands together and um, we kind of lent on what we saw, you know, the Pumpkins do with the Adore Tour with a lot of their charity work where we would be like, well, anything that we make, let's, let's give back. Like, let's not, you know... Um, uh, you know, we're not in it for the money. We're, we're here to celebrate the music. So, yeah, we ran a number of tribute nights where we would have, yeah, three or four bands play. Um, they'd play some originals. Um, you know, we'd get them to do some covers. And then actually from that, one of the bands that existed back um, at the first tribute night we did um, has now become a full-time Smashing Pumpkins tribute band. Um, uh, feel free to check out um, Mashed Potatoes. Um, based in, nice. in in Perth, um, they play quite regularly um, and do full you know hour hour and a half sets of, of, of the Pumpkins uh, music and um, so there was that. Anytime there were like tours down in Australia, we did um, uh, you know we we travel to, to to cover those. We also did a number of um, uh, interviews and, and promo spots with um, so Triple J, who's uh, well-known um, youth radio station down here in Australia. Yeah. Um, when Zwan started, we pestered them quite a bit um, to get uh, some Zwan tracks played. So we we would send them like live recordings of the the bootlegs that were coming out in 2002, and um, on a couple of their sort of like nightly request shows because it was different back then. They were playing everything from CDs. It wasn't radio where it was all you know playlisted and like yeah. The DJs had the the ability to play what they wanted, and um, yeah, so we had a number of sort of Swan uh, tracks getting like requested and, and and played. So it was, um, you know, essentially it was a community of Australian um, fans and and some from New Zealand as well. And uh, at the sort of peak of our sort of uh, traction or popularity or whatever, we had about you know fifteen hundred, two thousand or so members of the the board interacting on a regular basis and. Um, and it was great, especially when we would travel around to different uh, pumpkins or some of Billy's solo shows. We would you know, organize meetups and form those sorts of connections with everyone. And so many of those people that I met through that time are you know, lifelong friends. And um, I feel very fortunate to be able to have brought a number of them together. So uh, in essence, it was a website. Um, and um, But uh, at its heart, it was a community. That's awesome. And... Now we know with the world is a vampire tour, it's coming back to Australia. Yeah. Are you psyched about that? Uh, very psyched. Um, 
it's uh, a bit different for us this time. We're we're taking our daughter uh, to her first. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, so she she's um, she's nine. She's really excited. We're we're just flying to because uh, they're not coming to Perth this time. So we're heading to Adelaide and catching up with some friends there. And um, uh, nice. yeah, t- taking our daughter to her first. Uh, SP show and um, uh, she's actually pretty excited so um, didn't necessarily expect them to bring yeah. such a large tour down here we had heard uh, they were going to be touring when we had talked to their social media manager that she had hinted about uh, yeah. outside of the US so we were kind of you know speculating where that would be so it was really cool to see that Australia was on there because I know it had been a while yeah um what uh so have you met up with other members oh so when was the last time what tours exactly did come through there other than oceania did zeitgeist go through there yeah so we had uh 2008 uh, so i guess tail end of zeitgeist so 2008 they came down on the v festival tour um and played i think it was like nine shows so there was like um the festival shows, say five or so, and then um, uh, some side side shows of just them um, with Queens of the Stone Age as the support. Um, right. uh, and then 2010, we had the Tear Garden tour, which, oh gosh, that's someone, yeah, I'm gonna say five or six sort of shows, fairly smallish tour yeah. than Oceania. And then 2015, they came down on the Soundwave tour, which we didn't travel for because our daughter had just kind of been born a few years earlier and uh, you know, just didn't line up with life um, and they didn't yeah. come to Perth. Uh, so, yeah, 2015, I think, was the... Well, I know, was the, the last time uh, that they were wow. down. And that Soundwave tour um, went well, but Soundwave as a festival, um, I know there was some drama with... The, the band not being paid um and, and oh. uh, yeah I, I remember billy talking about this um uh, uh through instagram i'm gonna say uh at some stage a few years back yeah basically it, soundwave had been like a popular um festival for years and years and then yeah the last year just did not go well for a number of reasons and just wasn't pumpkins of a number of bands uh yeah it it didn't end up well and i think they were out of pocket quite a bit um from that tour and that's why we were very you know uh realistic about it costs a lot to get down here um and to then even travel around when when you're here because it's a very spread out country with no it's vast yeah, yeah yeah so very realistic about that being a thing so it's um I think it makes sense that you know they're coming down, you know, as themselves in 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 a, in a way with and bringing all um, with Jane's and everyone else that's coming along as uh, as well and making you know that their own sort of festival will be yeah a fantastic yeah. effort. What are you most excited about with these upcoming shows? Besides the fact that we get take our daughter because that's like totally on the bit of the, on yeah. the bucket list. Um, I am looking forward to finally seeing James Ehar live. This is something that I have oh, yeah. not experienced in the. 20 plus SP shows that I've seen, you know, since the yeah. reformation. Um, uh, this first time seeing James, we were close to seeing James on when he came down with a perfect circle in um, yeah. 2004. And, oh, long story, but I'll keep it short. We'd flown to Melbourne to see David Bowie perform. And then on the day that we were scheduled to fly back to Perth to see a perfect circle play here, um, 
our flight got cancelled and then we were stuck in Melbourne oh, and we, no. we couldn't make it back. And so, yeah, we missed out on seeing A Perfect Circle. But at that stage, all we wanted to see was, you know, James E. Har on, on, on stage. So, right. um, that is 100% uh, what I'm most looking forward to just, yeah, being there and witnessing him on, on stage. That's awesome. Yeah, it, right now is a good time too because they're getting along really well in the banter, as I'm sure you... Yeah heard with the u.s shows uh it's it feels really great it's really nice to see that i've never seen the full band like the og band Same. completely because when i saw them in 96 it was after oh right uh yeah. chamberlain got kicked out and they had matt walker yeah and then when uh, jimmy came back darcy wasn't in and so i didn't get to see that yeah. and then i've i've seen the recent ones and it's like i've never seen the uh, the full og yeah. band but i've seen bits and pieces you know yeah yeah uh, always one member <laughs> missing uh maybe one day with the rock and roll hall of fame if that ever happens of um hopefully and i can somehow make it in there <laughs> i doubt it but yeah. um so let's talk about this uh oceania Australian tour. We have July 26, which was at Challenge Stadium in Mount Claremont with Sugar Army and Wolf Mother. Uh, then we had July 29th, 2012, at the Splendor uh, uh, Splendor in the Grass Festival in I don't know if I'm saying this right, Belongi Fields yep. in Byron Bay. Yep. And then we had July 31st, 2012, at Sydney Entertainment Center with Wolf Mother. And uh, then we had August 2nd, 2012 at the High Sense Arena in Melbourne with Wolf Mother. And then uh, we have a New Zealand date here, August 4th, 2012 at Vector Arena in Auckland, New Zealand with Die, Die, Die. So uh, let's go through these shows. First of all, kind of give us an overview before we kind of get into the specifics of it. But what was... What were the what were where was your fandom at this time, and what were your feelings uh, about going to these shows? Tell us how this worked out because you told me a little bit about you had certain access to these shows. Yeah. Uh, just give us the overview on uh, how this tour in general went for you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so uh, the fandom question to to kind of just start at that point. It was at a really high point. For, for both uh, my, my wife and I because um, for the first time in, in a number of years, it felt like Pumpkinland was stable. There was stability <laughs> in the band. There was the, yeah. the four unit that had done the Tear Garden um, uh, tours, you know, previous. They had, uh, you know, recorded on this album together. They had done, you know, live streams. And, and so it felt like there are four people in this band all contributing in their, their individual ways and that is something that we haven't seen in pumpkin land for a very long time um and yeah. so there was that level of excitement and um uh to touch on the the access that that we had had so i had been very fortunate in probably 2008 or so to be reached out by smashingpumpkins.com um, to get involved in the uh, the content um, contributing side to the, to the website. Um, if some people remember, there was a number of sort of fan contributors um, with writing and, you know, and that sort of content. Um, and so... Hipsters United was part of that for a while, right? Yeah. So, yeah, there was um, yeah. Uh, Jill from uh, Hipsters United was involved and um, a few others. And um, and so that, you know, allowed me... And obviously, it was you know, due to the, the work that I'd done through Osphoria and building that sort of community... 
uh, to, to help try and you know, create that within sp.com as well. And so, during that time, obviously, you know, been able to form um, uh, some closer connections to th those sort of individuals um, within um, SP land. Um, and so, yeah, when the, the tour was coming down here, we were connected with the uh, promoter who was um, Secret Sounds from memory and, you know, worked closely with them in, you know, being able to get access or um, access all areas or, or whatever it was or working pass or something like that um, for, yeah. for the shows um, so that we could... Uh, capture any sort of behind the scenes stuff share that back to sp.com and then how they would look at distributing it would be you know um, uh, uh, up to them um, and so yeah that access allowed us you know sit through sound checks spend some time you know which was cool and I'll, I'll get into some of the more specifics around the, the lighting setup and all of that sort of stuff and seeing that you know big production sort of come together was great and um, and obviously, yeah, getting to, to spend some time with uh, some of the band um, after some of the shows was was pretty lucky. We were, you know, very fortunate that that all kind of came together. But um, yeah, so with the the actual tour, um, you know, they were first announced that they were coming for Splendor in the Grass, which um, for those that don't know, it's a three day camping music festival um, uh, out in Byron Bay. So uh, north of Sydney um, and been uh, I can't think of how long 20 years maybe something like that it's been going for fairly long mm. sort of time and um, uh, so the Pumpkins were first announced for that and then um, I think a day or two after all of their you know, additional dates were, were announced so um, yeah we decided that uh, we would do do the tour we didn't make it to, to Splendor um, just because of logistics and everything but um, we had a number mm -hmm. of friends that attended and um, I was going through in prep for this going through emails and notes that they had all kind of sent me about what went down um, in that show yeah. but yeah we were just excited that it was a unit of you know of the four basically playing at this stage and um, I think Oceania had come out you know June these shows a few months after so we'd had some time to kind of really get connected with the songs before the tour as well so yeah yeah i feel like did they tour there before they did the tour in america where they did the full album right they were kind of like it was like the first time they played the album in full right yeah yeah the tour? yeah so that that was um yeah uh yeah perth was the the first um of the oceanic tour where they they played the album in full which um yeah, selfishly, I felt very fortunate that my little hometown, <laughs> um, you know, uh, had was the first. Yeah, yeah. had, had the, the the SP tour kick off first. So, did it have the same setup as like what people might recognize or know the most is from the live in New York, the Oceania DVD? Was it that same kind of uh, stage setup too? Yeah, yeah. So the big glowing orb piece um, with yeah. um, with all the uh, different projections and, and, and things on, on place. Um, not for Splendor in the Grass, but for the, the side shows right. they had that, yeah. Yeah, I imagine with the festival, I think when we've seen them at the festivals, they don't really have, because they don't have time to set all that up and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, so you got to meet some of the members. What was going through your head? Like, who did you get to talk to and who did you meet? And Yeah. Because uh, I know Pat and I recently at the Hollywood Bowl show, we got to go backstage uh and talk to a few people that uh we had been conversing with online that were members of the band but we didn't 
talked to Billy or anybody and other people we were like, we're not going to approach James. <laughs> you know, it was just like one of those things. So what was going through your head? Who did you get to talk to and how did that feel? Um, yeah, so um, anyone that's met Jeff will just know what a nice yeah. and genuine person he is. He's the best. And we've been fortunate over the the previous sort of tours to um, to be able to connect you know, with him and and have various sort of conversations. And so, um, you know, when we got to chat with him, it was kind of like just catching up with someone that we kind of knew. And I'm not saying that we're best friends, please, that the total disclaimer around that sort of thing. No, I know exactly what you mean. He's just such a very uh, open and kind person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he makes you feel comfortable when you talk to him. Exactly. And, um, uh, you know, we're very conscious of... uh, if we do get those opportunities to, to interact with team, uh, with um, with people before a a show, it's like they're in work mode, like they're focused. Yeah. So I'm not getting there in, in in up in their face or anything like that. And so after the show, I'm also very conscious that they're they've just been performing for a period of time. So you know, give them their, yeah, their they're space. decompressing. Yeah, exactly. So um, you know, with with Jeff, we mainly I think we just talked about records and um, you know, what they'd been up to in between the the dates because they'd had some uh, space in between as well and um and same with nicole and mike i know before the perth tour uh oh sorry the perth date um they'd landed in perth probably about three or four days before and um uh through uh nicole's social media she'd been sharing like where she'd been going around perth like you know going we've got a little island off the, the coast of perth called rotnest and like they'd gone there and so i was just talking to her about my hometown basically and you know what did yeah. you like you know all of that sort of general sort of chit chat um and you know as the the tour went on and we got to catch up with billy in sydney and so there'd been a few dates um since then and you know talking to him about how's it feeling about playing the album in full like in and not overlooking that that is such a bold move for any band to do especially a band of in the situation that they're in with you know original members you know being a one and um the the legacy and it's a new album it's not what others were doing you know within that sort of time where they were playing the, the classic album tours and and such so um, yeah, we had a really good conversation with Billy around that, and he, you know, shared that for him, it's such a um, he doesn't take it lightly that people are coming to the show knowing that that is the set list and that is what they're going to be playing, and yeah. you know, on a whole, people are respecting it and um, appreciating that the the band is willing to to do that, and I think that um, goes back to that you know something that the Pumpkins have always been they. they you know, done done what they wanted to do so yeah we, we always just tried to keep it fairly you know conversational in those, those sorts of areas and very brief conversations you know uh, five ten minutes and yeah. you know, then they're off to to go do whatever they need to do for the rest of their day so yeah well let's go ahead and talk about these shows uh please feel free to lead however you want tell any details but we're going to start with the july 26 2012 show at challenge stadium in mount claremont with uh, Sugar Army and Wolf Mother. And one of the facts about this is that this is the first performance of Soot and Stars since April 17th, 2010. Unfortunately, there are no usable bootlegs of this show. So for those of you listening, we won't have examples for the live songs that we're referring to. So 
Uh, what are your thoughts on this show? What would you like to share about this particular show? Uh, so I think from a personal point of view with the show, um, I was genuinely nervous before the show um, because mm-hmm. it was how is this going to be received by by the crowd? You know, coming out and playing yeah. 40, 50 minutes of material that, you know, let's be honest, a, a large portion of the, the audience may not have heard or had time to, to be able to connect with. Um, and, you know, how, yeah, how is that going to be sort of received? But I think within, you know, the first 10 minutes of once the band is on stage and, and playing and especially, you know, opening with the, those two sort of anthemic songs on Oceania and just yeah. kind of like capturing the crowd. I think you know, any of those sort of internal thoughts that I had as concerns were, were out the window and everyone that we were around was just absolutely enjoying it. I think um, that, you know, the the crowd, it, you know, was, was into the show. Um, it was well received. I think obviously, you know, getting towards uh, uh, the, the the second half of the show when you're starting to hear the more um, deep cuts and, you know, the big hits, that's when it all kind of came together. And I think yeah. um, definitely for the throughout all of the shows, having those large visuals above the band while they're playing, you know, uh, the newer material just worked really well. And that's where I, I do definitely mm-hmm. feel that this tour felt um, more larger and comprehensive than the previous tours that they had played um, here where it was a bit more stripped back with the the visuals and and those sorts of pieces. So um, having that sort of larger stage presence, I think just uh, really helped. But um, uh, overall, like, yeah, it was a great show. Billy was pretty quiet with the banter on this tour and and within that show as well. I don't know if it was the same when... You saw them, or well, we saw in a, or when we if you look on spcodex.wiki and it has or spfc.org uh, where it has like the banter written out. Uh, when I was looking through these dates, I was like noticing there wasn't very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the shows that we saw, uh, he wasn't talking as much. It was mostly James uh, because he was losing. He lost his voice right. and he got sick. So we almost uh, didn't get our our shows because he was so sick at the end of that. Um, but yeah, he's. I mean, he. There was quite a bit of banter that was going on during the U.S. tour. So I'm sure when he gets uh, when they do these upcoming shows, there's going to be a, probably a lot of banter between Billy and uh, James. James. Yeah, true. Yeah. 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 For this show, you're right. Like I didn't really see much of it, but let's talk about the second half because we know that they play the album in full and we got a lot of live debuts here because Violet Rays, that was a live debut of that. Uh, the live debut of the Chimera and Glissandra, Inkless, and Wildflower. And then after that, we get uh, the cover of David Bowie's Space Oddity, which they continued to play even in the 2018 tour uh, for Shiny. And we got Disarm, Tonight Reprise, Tonight Tonight, Bullet with Butterfly Wings, Soot and Stars, as I said the first time they had played it since 2010. Today, and then for the encore, we have Cherubrock, Ava, Dor, and Zero. Yeah. Yeah. So what what memories stand out to you, or what were kind of like some of the highlights from this show for you? Yeah, of course. Um, and I think um, after Space Oddity, um, uh, you missed uh, the XYU 
uh, transition. XYU, yeah, yeah. yes, 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 yes. And 100%, oh, man, that's yeah. where I'm going to start as the, the highlight yeah. because the, that sort of transition, like as soon as they started playing Space Oddity and people picked up the lyrics and were like, oh, okay, we're, we're entering a different yeah. portion of the show now. <laughs> I think that piqued a yeah. lot of people's interest and then for it to just quieten a little bit and then just go into XYU straight away. Um, I even just talking about it right now, I'm getting that sort of like those chills of that sort of, you know, sh- and shiver up, up your spine around it. It was just awesome to be able to hear a deep cut like that. That sort of, you know, you, you that's where, it, you know, Billy can lean into that, that, that snarl and that, that sound in his voice that we don't hear so, so often and just the aggression and everything that, you know, the band played with, um, that was a hundred percent a massive highlight to, to finally be able to tick that off um the the list there yeah. but um otherwise i think like you mentioned with soot and stars it's a song that i never thought i would get to hear live you know i think um yeah you mentioned in one of the previous shows around that it was uh the 2010 like record store day or there was some show yeah where it was like a one-off around play. this era yeah, yeah. And um, to, to be able to, you know, for that to come out and such a beautiful sort of rendition, um, you know, that connection to it being, I guess, like a Machina, Machina era song for, for me kind of holds a, yeah. a special part. And it totally caught me off guard um, being uh, once it started playing. And that sort of, I know this, but I don't know this yeah. <laughs> sort of yeah. moment. And then when it kind of clicked in and... Again, knowing that it's a song that a lot of people, you know, your casual fan possibly isn't going to to recognise, but yeah, for the for the hardcore faithful, it was a really special track to be able to um, to hear, and yeah, and the rendition and it being so extended and you know um, more sound like a like a different sort of sound landscape. Full band, yeah, 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 it was fantastic. So it's really cool how they reimagine that to yeah. be played live it's one of my favorite renditions of a, a song especially that deep of a cut yeah it's really cool to see yeah yeah what was the venue like for this uh we're talking about a stadium so was that like a true like sports stadium or what exactly is the setup of this type of yeah. venue so um challenge stadium is uh essentially it is a sports stadium um they're the space within the the venue that they they played within um you know uh gets used for for basketball and 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 those sorts of things but um for a long time it was our sort of only stadium space because we used to have a bigger sort of larger entertainment center that was getting knocked down and but now we've got you know a a more purpose-built larger stadium so during that time there was nothing else that existed for the pumpkins to, to play within so they were there so the acoustics and that sort of space it's not great it wasn't designed for a concert um but right. for a period of time that's where any sort of act of this sort of size coming through would play um 
of capacity. Oh, geez, I'm not sure. Maybe. Oh, you don't have to get, you yeah, get into five, the capacity. Five, six thousand yeah. or so, something like that. But right. Yeah, there, there was the the floor area with everyone on the crowd, uh, you know, within that space, and then you know a few sort of um, bleachers towards the side. So. Not, yeah, yeah as a true sort of concert venue, but um, large enough that once you're there, you kind of forget, you know, that you're in a sporting complex in a sense. So, And the sound was uh, decent or good or? Uh, it was all right. Like, you definitely, yeah. as the tour went on and we were in more purpose-built sort of um, uh, <laughs> venues, that's when you'd start to really yeah. be able to appreciate it. So, yeah. And I'm sure the band is kind of getting, you know, used to it. They're getting their footing of just being in a new country and then also playing this for the first time full there's got to be some stuff to work out yeah uh, what were some other standouts uh for you at the show or any memories that you want to share yeah so um that point around the band working stuff out so we got there um beforehand we were able to sit and just watch the sound check unfold and um i was trying to remember what i remember uh there being a, mike and and jeff messing around with all the different keyboards um that were set up and because obviously with mm -hmm. wildflower when all four of them uh would, would you know come into the front of stage and start playing on the keys and so that was a moment like my wife brie and i were sitting there going wait why are there all these keyboards on, on <laughs> stage like you know what is what, what's gonna ha gonna happen here and i think it was them just uh finalizing well you know, just all those final little one percenters that they just needed to do before the show to make sure. Yeah. And then at the same time, um, you know, watching all of the, the work go through to make sure that all the visuals were were set up and operational and, and working because it was really the first time that we had seen the, the pumpkins um, since the reformation where the visuals linked so closely to the the music um you know obviously right. they had other things set up in in the past but um and i think that's become more common over the m more recent tours um as well having that right. sort of connection um with it so yeah it was definitely that um the sound check you know was them just running through that and then just doing all the various sort of um instrument checks i think a, a highlight around you know the 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 playing of the the Oceania um, tracks for me was definitely the the title track. Being able to mm -hmm. to hear that live, I'm a sucker for those um, uh, pumpkin epic songs. You yeah, know, your glass and your ghost children. You know, Ruby. All all those sorts of tracks that kind of feel like three or four ideas mashed into one, and you know, you go on this sort of bigger sort of journey. So. Um, that I think that just is an amazing track that just fits so well within a live setting um, and just sat so well at that sort of space within a, um, a live show as well you know just allowed the audience to to have a bit of a, a, a break I guess but um, and, and also for each of the band members to have their own signature sort of parts within that um, within that song, Billy's voice sounds amazing. You know the the pieces that you know when Nicole and Mike are kind of playing together towards towards the end, and you know, Jeff being able to let loose with his different solos that he he plays throughout that song. It just felt like yeah. a really good sort of 
display of like this is the band now and you know and and, and this is you know the level that they can they can play at and um yeah I've, I've always thought i would be interested to see if those sorts of songs would come back um into the fold and be played by the current lineup you know if, i'd love to see what you know um you know what jack and and, and james and jimmy could kind of oh, do yeah. with a song like that where it's got those pieces that they can kind of pull and twist and do things differently to it so who knows i wonder what the connection of them doing this these particular shows first in australia if they will kind of do something special for that tour i mean that would be nice yeah um that would be really cool to hear some of these songs because yeah i i kind of wish that we would have heard there are certain eras where you're like oh it would be nice to hear it was it was shocking to us when we heard fol Yeah, you know, at one point where we were like, "Whoa, where did this come from?" <laughs> but yeah. apparently, that was just something that Jeff uh, wanted to do. Yeah, and they're like, "Cool, let's do that." Yeah. I would love to hear some of these songs live again. So, the next day we have, or not the next day, actually, uh, the 29th, uh, we have the Splendor in the Grass Festival, which you said that you didn't get to make, right? Yeah. And did they close out this festival? I know they played on the third night, but did they close it all? Or yeah, yeah. So um, to talk through, so yeah, Splendor's over the course of three days. So um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three day camping um, festival. And um, uh, yeah, to answer your question, they closed. They were the, the final main stage, you know, act, um, and and yeah. did a, a slightly you know more obviously festival friendly um, tour, right? But, um, I think the other um, headliners for that tour were Block Party and Jack White. And I think Jack White, I'm trying to remember the timeline. I think Jack White uh, could have been his first solo tour, possibly. I'm trying to... Probably, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's you know that's the peers that they're, they're, they're playing with within that stage. And um, I guess um, one thing that in the sort of various times we've been able to have you know, conversations with, with Billy... Uh, one thing that has always stuck with me that he shared around um, the advantage of coming out to Australia with on a festival because you're, you're able to come out here. I think, you know, obviously the festival covers a lot of the, the cost for them to be able to get down this far and then they're able yeah. to, you know, um, to land and, you know, do the, do the sideshows and, and do what, what they need. And so I think that's where it's always been that sort of advantage. I mean, we saw them V Festival uh, coming out for Splendor, and obviously they did um, Soundwave, like I mentioned a few years back. And so, yeah, it's it's always made sense uh, for them to to be able to come out and do those sort of different different shows. Speaking to uh, some friends that that did go, the the set list was very different. I don't, yeah. I can't remember exactly how many um, Oceania songs got got played, but looks here like there's. This is one where they start with a kiss, two kiss covers a little bit, but mostly uh, Black Diamond, the one that, as we uh, know, that Peter Chris sang on as well. So they had Mike Sing, singing yep. on this, kind of warming the audience up with a kiss song. And then we got Zero, Bullet with Butterfly Wings today. So we're coming out of the gate with some hits. Yep. Then we get into the Celestials, Oceania, Tonight Reprise, Tonight Tonight, Ava Door. Quasar, Panopticon, Soot and Stars, 1979, Cherub Rock, Muzzle, 
And then for the encore, we got Space Oddity and XYU. I think um, uh, in prep for this, I was like going through reading back through some reviews and emails and things that I had from from friends. And I think you can only imagine that sort of environment of, you know, three days of people being camping, <laughs> festivals, the energy would have been so high. Sometimes um, Splendor, because of the time of year, um, they get a lot of rain, so it ends up being like really muddy, oh. and yeah, so yeah. you know it's got all of that sort of stuff associated to it. So, speaking to a few friends that went, they just said, "Yeah, everyone just wanted to let loose. Like it was like we're done, we're, we're ready to just party." And <laughs> the Pumpkins were like that band that had those hits that everyone could just sing along and and have an amazing time um, with, you know, matter you know what generation. Um, you're within and there was one of the reviews that I was reading through where a guy talked about um, at the very end he goes you know this ended on an absolute high so much so that as we were leaving all the security guards were giving us high fives and hugs and like (laughs) just like it just felt like it was such an awesome piece and I remember there being a lot of people that talked about the um, the shows and said that that was just an absolute highlight so yeah we were a little gutted that we didn't get to to go to, to it but Oh well, hey, these things happen. But um, one thing that was unique to to Splendor also was Billy did a um an interview there. So they had like a separate tent set up at at Splendor, and for some of the artists to come and do like a q and A Q&A session. Um, and we had one of the um, Osphoria community members went and um he's recorded it and we've had it on our our YouTube channel um and. You know, I was re-watching it last week and just even just taking me back to well, that time of the world, like Billy had just joined Twitter around that stage and, you know, talking about those sorts of things. So he did a, it's about a 40 minute interview with uh, Will Anderson, who's like an Australian comedian and, and TV host here. And, uh, yeah, they, they talk about a whole bunch of stuff, the, the Simpsons, wrestling, um, uh, the frogs, because I think around that stage, Dennis had just um, unfortunately passed away. Um, uh, they talk about the music business because Billy had just presented at Congress, I think, that year or something. So there's a whole range of different things that get discussed in that. And then they open it up to the crowd, which, um, you know, um, some questionable questions from, from people in, in, in the audience. But um, there was a few. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, anyone... Else for you, YouTube, track it down, ha- have a watch. It's um, uh, film quality, not that great, bec- but you can just listen and audio is fine. Um, and really appreciate... T- <laughs> we'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, really appreciate the person that sat there holding their, their camera for 40 minutes recording <laughs> that. Um, but one thing that Billy talked about, which I'd kind of forgotten, was he talked about that... Uh, There's a question around the, the current sort of in- incarnation of the band and he said you know i see this formation of the band only existing for you know four or five years and that's it i was like oh okay that ended up kind of you know being true when you think about the the time frame that the um uh, 
you know, everyone kind of stayed together within that space. So, and I think what he was alluding to was that there was so much change happening within the music industry at that time, you know, he's wanting to keep the options open of what it could be and how it, how it could be. But um, he also mentioned around the importance for the band to come out and play Oceana in full. That, that, that was them being able to give back the music that they had created as a, as a unit and um, be able to perform that. And they wanted to celebrate that as the, the four of them. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, um, it was really positive to, to hear that. And obviously, he talked about the subject matter of the album and you know, the breakup and all, all of the, um, the lyrical content that exists within it. So, um, yeah, it was cool that he was open to, to doing that. Um, I don't think, um, I don't know who else, you know, from the different sort of headliners um, and, and such that got involved, but... Um, yeah, for him to be able to put himself out there and face all of those questions coming direct from audience um, is a pretty rare thing. Yeah. And there is a connection to Australia with this album. Very much. Being yeah. that he was in a relationship with a member of the Veronicas, correct? I, correct. This is some of the stuff that we're a little... Uh, we don't know a lot about. Yeah, uh, yeah. In one of the previous episodes, I had mentioned to Kim, was like, we weren't exactly up on the TMZ of Billy's yeah. life. Being... In Australia and knowing these details, like, does that shape any of your, uh, the way that you look at this album or did you, were you familiar with the Veronica's? Like, what was the feeling around that time? Cause I know when pop stars or certain people in America start to date or get involved. I mean, even him being involved with Courtney Love yeah. is still like a, you know, it always comes back or when he was dating Jessica Simpson, yeah. or, you know, yeah. Tequila, tequila, or whatever—that yeah. that's a, was always a big deal. So, what? How did that feel in Australia? Like, was there any kind of sense of like, oh? My personal reaction was, this is strange. This is something I didn't expect <laughs> to to see. Um, I don't know how widely known the Veronicas are outside of Australia, but you know, when they kind of came on to the scene, you know, um, Jess and. I forget his sister's name. This is how much I don't know about the Veronica. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. they, they were everywhere. They were, you know, the Australian pop queens, you know, all, all of that, you know, being uh, likened to, you know, the other sort of Australian female pop stars that we've had, Kylie Minogue and, and, and others as right. well. So they were pop royalty within that space. But then I thought they kind of just disappeared into obscurity, but maybe that was my musical landscape became more focused and I wasn't paying attention to, you know, what was being played yeah. on the radio and such. But um, like Jess was definitely present on the Tear Garden tour that they, they did um, within 2010 within Australia. So, um, you know, we saw her at some of the shows. We saw her, you know, within sound checks and, and things. So, you know, she was around and obviously, you know, don't, you know, want to go you know that's billy's personal life and 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 that sort of right. space but um yeah uh, i think knowing the the title of the album when it came out knowing those sorts of events um yeah you, you could see that there was obviously a connection to the the additional time that he's he spent here outside of it just being a tour you know and coming down to australia right. so um yeah and, and maybe that also formed some of the deeper sort of connection that we had to the, the, the that we have to the to the album personally um so yeah yeah 
I've noticed that from doing the podcast, there is a big fan community in Australia for the pumpkins. There's something about Australia and the pumpkins yeah. that just really connects. Uh, we get a lot of uh, listeners from Australia, actually. Yeah. I would say more than Canada. Or, you know, it's like I think it's right now it's American and Australia that. Yeah, yeah that uh, we get most of our listeners. Why do you think that is? What is it? I mean, yes, you speak for all Australians in this yeah, one point. 100%. But I don't know. What, what is your theory on that? I know because, like, you know, sometimes there are bands that hit here uh, that maybe, you know, typically, or there are bands that, like, maybe hit in Australia but don't hit here, yeah. and there's a few crossovers that we get now and again. Yeah. Uh, what is it about the pumpkins that you think that resonates with Australians, do you think? Um, it's such a good question. I, I don't know, because most people that I speak to just go, I can't stand the pumpkins. I can't stand that guy, right. you know, and... We get that in America, yeah, too. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I think where the... And speaking with, like, a lot of our, our friends and people that we've met is um, the pumpkins, uh, they're the pumpkins. They will do what they want, and I think that is respected um, a lot with with people that, you know... Billy will say what's on his mind. They will change direction of of albums and, and sounds. And, you know, we've had a number of... Um, and they've never, I guess, you know, fit into that sort of box of, you know, if, you know, we all know. You, you, you compare Melancholy to, to Adore. They're, they're two very different sounds and, and, right. and albums. And we've got a number of sort of lo- local artists who will do that. You know, they will um, do a real sort of rock album and the next one will be an 80s inspired synth wave thing and this was like you know bands that existed like you know within the 90s so we were always used to those bands that just they pull on all of the different genres that they listen to as they were teenagers and mix it all together and that's personally something that always attracted me to the pumpkins that I could listen to one album and go through you know five or six different genres in in that one record um so i think maybe that that's it and you know they did you know the the tours that they did here were at their their peak and you know i think they would have definitely resonated um you know with the with the the communities that they or the the people that they played in front of um in those you know years between 94 and 98 um when they did their tours so that's yeah my my thoughts on it i guess I think Billy even said something, I know on the Daniel Johns podcast when he had talked to him, speaking of uh, Australian bands in the 90s who had changed, you know, throughout the uh, progression of their lifespan, um, especially with those later albums that didn't really hit in America, but are really fantastic if you seek them out. And, you know, fortunately we have them now, but at the time you really had to seek them out. And I think he had said something to that effect of what you said about uh, the Australian about the music scene about how they're more experimental and they're willing to take those chances and they're true artists that can grow rather than getting so obsessed with you know well we have a sound yeah. and we have to st- stay to that sound they truly follow that uh, artistic calling wherever it is at that moment or that time that they want to cover yeah. and I think it's interesting too that you said about like his his comment about the five year span and he only sees that band uh, for that moment, it kind of reminds me of Prince a little bit, mm. how he would have, you know, different bands for different eras and different sounds and that, 
Yeah. It just never was like, you know, the revolution. It was other, you know, bands that he would go with in different directions. And I feel like that's kind of, from us doing this podcast, it kind of feels like that makes a lot more sense now 100%. of what the idea of the pumpkins is. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's all, that's something that uh, a lot of people, yeah, connect with and respect them about. And, and, and Prince and you know, Silverchair, another massive obsession for me as a teenager. But it's also the thing that uh, alienates so many uh, people from them right. because it's like, no, just keep doing the thing, yeah, do exactly. the thing, do the thing. But anyway, yeah, it's totally, I think, the, the, the biggest sort of connection. All right. So the next show is on July 31st, 2012 at Sydney Entertainment Center with Wolf Mother. And I forgot to ask before, did you get to catch any of the o opening bands like Sugar Army or Wolf Mother? Or did you skip those? Or, you know, Wolf Mother was another band that uh, translated to America in a big way for, for at least that one album. Yeah, did you get to catch any of those opening acts? Yeah, we did. Um, I think within... Uh, so, Sugar Army were Perth band. Um, so, we'd been used to seeing them fairly small. And, and Wolf Mother, yeah, it was interesting that they were, you know, the, the support act. And we knew about, um, obviously, the, the size of them. Um, they were, you know... Um, the first time I ever saw Wolf Mother was in front of like 50 people in a, in a small, small little venue. Um, they were supporting wow. my friend's band. Um, and... Uh, then 12 months, 18 months later, they're one of the biggest bands in the world. One of those really strange things that happens in the music uh, industry. So, yeah, no, we, we, we caught them. And I think for Wolf Mother, it was a, I don't want to say a similar situation to the Pumpkins, but kind of in a similar situation where um, Andrew Stockdale, yeah, um, uh, he was the only original member of the band. Now, I, they're not as iconic oh. as the other members of the Pumpkins. I'm not doing that sort of one-to-one -one sort of comparison, but as a similar sort of situation where, um, you know, at that stage, after the, the peak success that they had had, um, others, the other two members had wanted to, to go in a different sort of direction or, or there was musical differences, quote-unquote. Um, right. And, yeah, it was th this was the sort of the return of Wolf Mother as well so there was that added to it as, um, oh, wow. as well because i think they'd been pretty quiet for some time and i think they were recording an album at that stage but it had been many years in the making and it hadn't seen the, the light of day so they played pretty much just you know everything from the the first uh album and ep i think um but um yeah yeah they were great and that sort of you know 70s rock that they do you know came out with these double neck guitar things so it was that sort of <laughs> spectacle to it as well but um yeah, yeah they, they were great i feel like that's the kind of band you want opening for you in a stadium show 100 yeah they're like they're like small enough but they have a big sound and they they can fill that stadium with yeah. you know enough rock to get you excited to see of course when you see uh jane's addiction i mean like i had seen jane's jane's addiction before but there was something about them on this tour that was i mean they had the burlesque dancers and stuff it was just oh, kind cool. of a it was a spectacle so it, i don't know if they're gonna do that for the australian tour but uh with the wrestling and jane's addiction it's gonna be a sideshow it really awesome. is gonna be something unusual before the pumpkins come up it's gonna be quite uh, an experience 
I'm excited for y'all. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about the July 31st show at Sydney Entertainment Center. And uh, we have the same kind of setup that we had before. I believe it's pretty much the same set list where they go through Oceania. And then we have XYU Disarm Tonight Reprise, uh, Tonight Reprise, Tonight Tonight, Bullet with Butterfly Wings, Suit and Stars, Today, and then the Encore, Chair Brock, Ava Adore, and Zero. So uh, what are some things that stood out to you for this show? So within um, Sydney, it's yeah, it's our largest capital city. So it was a larger sort of crowd and, and, and space for sure. And, you know, more concert based venue. There was definitely uh, a larger sort of energy from uh, from the crowd and, 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 and from the, the band. I think though it was a very similar sort of set and, and performance. I think, you know, there, there are only a few dates into the, you know, playing these songs live and still going through that process of being comfortable playing them. I yeah. think one thing that we noticed was when and I think this would be for for any band when they're slipping into you know playing say Cherubrock, they're far more comfortable on stage than when they're playing you know My Love Is Winter or you know something that yeah. that's fairly new in that sense you know there's that level of concentration that I'm not a musician but I can only imagine uh, you know exists um, and again like I said before very limited sort of banter from from Billy um, and I think maybe that was from previous tours he had talked quite a bit on stage and then that would lead to interactions <laughs> from in people trouble, in the, the crowd and <laughs> then you know yeah. th- th- those sorts of moments of tension and you're like okay so I don't know if it was just that like let's just let the music be the music um, the one thing that uh, they were meant to close with um, Black Diamond on that show yeah. and I've got the, the, the set list for that and um, I think it was just a timing piece or, or, or whatever they just decided to close out with Zero instead so um, my wife who's a massive Kiss fan was very disappointed not to, to, to get oh. that <laughs> um, but uh, yeah overall it, it was fairly similar um, uh, performance and, and show from you know, the Perth uh, gig previously I feel like uh, for this one, well, we actually have some banter here that was specifically put on SPFC and SP Codex. It says, Billy said, First off, let me say for the band, it's such a pleasure to be in Australia. It's such an incredible country, beautiful country. We were treated so well on this trip, so thank you so much for that. Number two, Thank you so much for letting us play our new album to you in, uh, in the fall. It's really a great honor. Thank you so much. You give us a lot of inspiration and hope for the future, and that's all I really want for my band. Number three, and this is the last one, uh, we have a bunch of the guys and girls from the Sea Shepherd, uh, Whale Wars, here tonight. I got to uh, have dinner on the boat. Are you over there? There they are over there. There you go, very good. Thank you so much for protecting life in our oceans. Thank you. This world uh, needs real heroes, and those are real heroes over there, so thank you so much. Thank you. I will say they made me eat a bunch of weird food. (laughs) 
Seafood, right? Not, not seafood, food from the sea. Uh, <laughs> anyway, God bless you, thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. And uh, I'll be quiet now. <laughs> so that's like the, the, that's the only chunk of like banter you see on the site when it has it like kind of written out. And uh, some of these shows I was looking on archive and I couldn't find some of them because I tried to listen through as many as I could. Yeah. And um, I mean, the sound, the sound for this show sounded pretty good to me. was your experience with that a lot a lot better from that first show or yeah. what was that experience? yeah far, far better sort of production sound quality and and you know just based on the, the the venue for sure um and i think that just adds to any sort of level of enjoyment of a concert you know where everything is just a bit crisper everything is just a bit more grandiose and especially with the this sort of yeah. show as well where you've got yeah those huge visuals you know f- literally floating above their heads um it just uh, adds adds to it all. So um, before the the Sydney show, we got to spend some time with um, uh, Lozzie, who was on on that tour, uh, handling all of the the lighting setup and everything within that sort of space. And um, uh, yeah, he t- he took us through the the mechanics of of it all with all the different timings and 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 things. And I really wish that my memory was better than it is now but you know it was like 11 years ago um and i didn't want to be there like taking photos of everything that he's like showing (laughs) and stuff like just be present in the moment and enjoy it um and uh yeah he 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 did i think the the majority of the, the the tour with them and um you know he talked about his sort of history of working with other bands like the stones and stuff back in the day and um, yeah, he was one of those, uh, you know, old school, old school r- rock yeah. guys that you're just like, yeah, if I had an afternoon with him, I would, I would hear some stories and a half. So, um, and, th- and that was really special to see that sort of behind the scenes of that. And then knowing, um, that that is happening, you know, while the show shows going on and, um, and, you know, piecing it all together. So yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah, they're performing too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, yeah. they've got to be on as well. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. It's really incredible, and I love how now, like with Jack doing the the Instagram lives and stuff, you get to see a lot of the people exactly. behind the scenes, and yeah. they're so appreciative of everybody who works behind the scenes, and I love seeing that and giving them credit where credit is due. Yeah, even when it's like when they talk about Howard Willing or you know, yeah. Um, you know, just giving props, uh, Bjorn as well, you know, rest in peace. I think that it's really cool that they give those props to the people who work their asses off to make a good show. Yeah. 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 It's just not them on stage. Was there anything else that, uh, stood out to you at this show? Because it's pretty much, I mean, as we see with the pumpkins these days, the, the set list don't really deviate as much and it can feel a little bit like, okay, we're playing these same songs in the same order. 
But the nice thing is, is that you can tell they're having fun. You mentioned Chara Brock, and it's like, now I think Chara Brock sounds better than ever. There's something about it that they're all just yeah. right in the pocket. It just sounds amazing live right now. Yeah. And uh, was there anything like that kind of that stood out to you from this show that maybe didn't quite, or f- at least it felt different at this show than the first show? I think... Uh especially towards the like the the second half it felt a lot more sort of relaxed and and maybe that was just because they had yeah the Perth show they had done splendor you know those maybe there was some little cobwebs and things that have been worked out that we didn't notice or 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 whatever but there was just yeah that sort of a bit more of a relaxed sort of vibe especially yeah as they came back for the encore and played kicked into to cherub rock and you just felt that sort of yeah. you know amplification of everyone within the the audience and then to yeah to be able to close out that was that was probably the the, the biggest sort of difference from the the Perth show for sure to hang out afterwards as well or did you so yeah with sydney that was uh we got to catch up with uh, billy afterwards and um just have mm-hmm. a you know quick chat with him and some things that I, I mentioned earlier that they were you know what we we chatted with him about and um yeah it was it was cool but we could definitely tell he was absolutely spent from you know performing on stage <laughs> and what, what yeah. was done and you know appreciate that he made that time and yeah then it was yeah after that that sydney show that was uh probably where we've got that most time with with the band um and then oh actually now that i'm thinking about it so after the sydney show this is kind of a random mic story we were walking back to our hotel room my, my wife and i and uh down george street in sydney um mike and nicole were in a car going past us and mike sticks his head out the window and shouts out Osphoria rules and then like jumps back in and we're just like what the hell and then realised that it, it was him so um, yes appreciated that Mike was a uh, fans of us for 20 seconds or so <laughs> nice yeah. I, I feel like so you talked to Billy I feel like exhausted Billy must be even more intimidating than just meeting him what, what was your impression the first time when was the first time that you met him and talked to him because we've only had interactions Online, yep. we've never actually talked in person with him, and even that, we're like, we we pretty much keep a pretty big distance. Yeah, we're like, he he's okay with what we do. That's good enough for us. Yeah. So you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so first time in person was uh, 2005 on the Future Embrace tour um, when he'd come down. Oh, nice. So um, uh, we had got down to the venue sort of early just to you know listen to sound check and those sorts of things and then a group of us were going to go grab lunch and dinner before before the gig and then um, uh, come back Um, but then as we were just chatting with people he was exiting and just came over and we had a a really brief sort of hey and he signed a few things 
for some people and, and, and that was kind of it. So that was definitely, that was tick the first, but it wasn't like a full sort of conversation. Um, the the time that we actually got to have a, a, a great sort of conversation with him was um, total random moment on the 2008 tour. A group of us, probably about 10 of us or so, had gone out for lunch. It was There was no show on that day. We were in Melbourne um, and Federation Square, um, which is like a, a central sort of hub um, of cafes and restaurants and, and such. And so we all just went out for lunch, a bunch of Osvorians just sitting around. And next thing uh, not planned, Billy walks in with his brother, Jesse, um, to sit down and have lunch. Oh, wow. And we were like, oh, wow, okay. We are not going to be those fans that interrupt this moment, which is, you know, two brothers having lunch and spending time together. So we just sat there, didn't say anything. And then as we were leaving, I went over to the uh, the waitstaff and I said, um, whatever that, that table orders, can I pay for it? Like, I'm doing that as like as, as a gift. Um, and she's like, sweet. why? And I was just like, no, I just want to, want to do that. And so then we left and as we were leaving... And the the wait staff had let Billy know that you know, we were covering the, their bill. He he came out with with Jesse, and he's like, "I can't let you guys pay for my lunch." And we're like, "No, like it's a <laughs> gift for us. Like, please, like, thank you, blah blah." And then we yeah, yeah. we ended up um, standing around just chatting in in Fed Square with him for about twenty minutes or so, and Jesse, and um, that is such a unique moment that you know for you know, the group of us that have been friends for, you know, such a long time at that stage and to, to be able to spend that time and have those sort of conversations with Billy. And I remember the one thing that I, I remember from that conversation with him is he talked about the longevity of the band and that, you know, uh, in his mind, since so like 2008, he's like, we're still a dangerous band in, in my head. Like, we still have a lot to, to offer. We still have a, a, a lot to... Um, you know, to, 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 to deliver, you know, um, as a, as a band yeah. and they've proven that. And he said, but, you know, we're just going to keep focusing on the future and not, you know, into the past. And that's where now I look that's back true. at like where they are now as a, as a band and as a unit, I'm so glad that they stuck with that. And like the music that we've been able to get over those years, rather than just going, yeah, let's just become the, the tribute act and play the, the, the hit yeah. parade. Yeah, I really applaud that that was his vision then and has, has stuck with it and continues to. And now releases, you know, a 33 triple album with Autumn. So, yeah. 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 I feel like there's a healthy, like, balance now. Yeah. I feel like, like they have, he's got such a great attitude about bailing. This is what we're doing now, but while still honoring what was built because he knows there's a legacy there now and i feel like there's this really nice balance that i appreciate at least i know as a fan who's like why why do you don't why don't you like the old stuff or anything like that but now it's like a very healthy attitude towards that that feels great as a fan and that's what i saw within these set lists within the oceania it was that balance of like well look we're gonna focus on the future but we're also going to give you you know the the past and celebrate that and yeah. That was the first time since the reformation that it was that, I don't know, it felt harmonious. Perhaps, yeah, that was the intention when they came back as well, but it felt harmonious yeah. in this situation. 
So the next show we have is August 2nd, 2012 at the High Sense Arena. Am I saying that right? We just bought a fridge from this yeah, company. Yeah, that, that's correct. <laughs> so uh, Arena in Melbourne uh, with Wolf Mother. And then we have, it says, the first full band performance of Luna since July 3rd, 1994. Yeah. So that's really uh, something else. And this is another show that Black Diamond was on the set list as the last song, but not played. Yeah. yeah. So your wife got denied twice. <laughs> that. Uh, so what what stands out to you on this uh, High Sense Arena show? Uh, I guess let's just talk about it. Luna, how did that feel to hear that? To hear that broken out? So uh, I, I couldn't believe it. And the, the reason is... Um, uh, very personal reason that's my wife and I that's our song like we had that at our wedding yeah. that's been like that's oh, the song wow. we danced to at our wedding that is the song that um, we fell in love like not to be corny but like that is the moment like we both said I love you when we were like where we heard that that's song together and I still remember us like you know we were you know, on the barrier watching the watching them perform and when that kicked in we kind of just looked at each other like is this happening like this is the song that for her and I is just everything to about pumpkins and they're performing it and in my head I'm going I know a lot of live shows like I've collected a lot of bootlegs over the years and this hasn't been played and obviously, you know, Billy introed it and going, yeah, first time in like 18 years that they've played it as a full full band. And um, it was really special. 100% anyone that we spoke to after the show was like any fans was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe they played Luna. And um, uh, I think for a lot of the, the fans that attended that night, that would have been the highlight that they would have walked away from and... For us who had seen a few of the other shows previously, it was nice to to get a surprise, especially yeah. a surprise like that. So absolutely, I mean, look, my my wife and I had a you know a couple of pumpkin songs in our weddings as well. So it's yeah. it's not. I don't think it's cheesy at all. Well, I will say because that that's one of our songs as well. Uh, hearing Billy talk about Luna yeah. as kind of like a more of a, like a, a like unrequited love that's not uh, given back. I'm like, I, what? I no! know. <laughs> Don't worry. I was driving <laughs> listening to the podcast uh, when he was talking about that. I'm like, no, no, he's got this wrong. No, he's so got this wrong. You could say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You could tell me all you want, but for me, it's it's love. It's pure. I I just oh my god, that yeah. song when that when Siamese Dream came out and just how I would imagine. And it's so it's kind of amazing when you're like, oh, I, this is what I imagined listening to this song in 1993, and now I'm in a relationship where I'm with somebody yeah. that that song made me think of, yeah. you know, this this person. So it's I think it's a really special song, and I Great. think it's really cool that 
it was a song that meant a lot to you two. And then to be going on these this tour, it almost feels like a little bit of like, I don't know, it feels like magic, right? That it just kind of comes out of nowhere. It's It's got to give you chills, right? Totally. We, you know, there was something in the universe you know that kind of uh yeah that came at, at that that point and um yeah it was yeah i think out of all the the pumpkin sort of performances i will definitely put that up as number one just to to be able to hear that that track and that moment and and that time in our lives as well um yeah yeah with with other things going on in life as as they always do it was yeah, such a really sort of special moment. And also to know that it's appreciated by so many other people that were in attendance. Like it wasn't like this like deep cut that only like a handful <laughs> full of people are going to care about. Like, oh, they, 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 play, they right. played Cow as a rabble or something like that. And um, <laughs> uh, uh, that's always my go-to. And that it was, yeah, a song that you know that there would be other individuals or couples or just groups of friends that, yeah, would walk away with that as their number one highlight. Um, so, yeah, hoping maybe it will be on the, the upcoming um, tour set list. Who knows? Yeah, I'm really interested to see what these set lists are going to be like. I know for us, I mean, hearing uh, Eye of the Morning was really mm-hmm. uh, cool. Yeah. Because that was something that I hadn't heard in a while. And I was like, oh, this is so... And it sounded so good oh, with that band, that lineup. It's 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 really great. And of course, their cover of Once in a Lifetime is just face yeah. melting. Yeah. It's so good. And I had heard that originally in the... I had seen it on the machina tour and i just kind of i don't know why i forgot about it so then when it's seeing it again it was kind of like yeah oh yeah 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 (laughs) but it sounded even more intense this time Anything else that uh, stood out about this show uh, at the Hisense Arena, other than the amazing kismet uh, moment of Luna? Um, Not specifically um, for for that show, but I do want to make mention about Wildflower um, on Oceania. And wasn't a song that, like, when I heard the album, I wasn't, like, sort of blown away by it, but I saw it as, like, it's a nice sort of um, close-up. Yeah. yeah and how the band performed that with you know the four of them coming to the the front of stage and kind of standing in line and i don't know maybe i look into these things too much but it was like you know they were all equal in that sort of space and you know playing their keys and there is a bit of a farewell and good night type vibe to it maybe i'm really clutching yeah. and stretching um, connections here. I see that, yeah. Yeah, and 
I think for me it was that that being that moment where yeah they all stand there you know, Nicole, Mike, and, and Jeff on, on on the keys, putting down the instruments that we you know, see them play, you know, usually, and then Billy being able to perform with it, and then you know play that wailing sort of guitar solo at the end. It has taken that song to another level for me now that when I listen to it and I think about that sort of moment where a strip back strip back band playing um, such a detailed and complex sort of song. Um, with yeah. a lot going on on it um, that you don't necessarily notice until you do see it up close. So, yeah, that was uh, that was yeah, really sort of um, a nice addition to it, rather than it just being say Billy playing on keys by himself. You know, which could have been something that they may have done. Absolutely, it's one of my favorite pumpkin songs of all time. Yeah, wow, it's just it's very special to me. So then now we get into New Zealand, yeah. August 4th, 2012, Vector Arena in Auckland, yeah. New Zealand with Die, Die, Die. And looking at the set list here, we get Luna again, which is nice. It's added to the playlist. And uh, then we have a little tease of the end by the doors between Ava Door and Chair Brock. Yeah. What's up? Beautiful friends. We're making friends? What? So now you're in New Zealand and I, even in America, you asked me to point out geography. I'm like, I, I don't know. Ohio's somewhere over there, you know, yeah, yeah. um, exactly. What is the travel like from going to Australia to New Zealand for you following this tour? Was it a pain in the ass or was it kind of like, okay, this is, this is nothing, you know, it's like from New York to New Jersey or something like that. Yeah. What is that like for you? So, um, I'm we we're used to travel. So where we are on the west coast it, in Perth, like the nearest capital city for us, is a three-hour flight. So we are, um, which is Adelaide. So yeah, we are super isolated. So we're used to anywhere you need to to travel in that sense. For us to fly from, uh, say Sydney or, or Melbourne to New Zealand, for about a two-hour flight to maybe three-hour flight, okay. something like that. Not bad, yeah. Yeah, and I've got family based in Auckland, so that that was great. Um, not that we stayed with them, oh, but perfect. it was like we also were like, well, do you know what? This is, and that that was another reason we were like, I haven't seen that family in such a long time. Yeah, we can we can uh, see the pumpkins as well as you know make a mini holiday of it for as well. So that yeah. that's where it, that definitely made sense for us. 
yeah, so once we got there, we, I think, were both in a, in a place where we just wanted to kind of stand back and just to, you know, not be at the front of stage, not be on the barrier and just enjoy the, the show and um, kind of see it as a, a closing of what has been a great, you know, week and a bit traveling around Australia and catching up with so many of our friends. Like, that's probably one thing I haven't stated. Like, anytime we would, like, land in Sydney or Melbourne or anywhere, any of the Osboria crew that we have at that stage known for, like, 12 plus years, um, it was like, you know, we'd all get together for, for lunch and do breakfast together and, like, catch up and just hang out, even though we you know, we'd chat with each other regularly, have all these other sorts of moments. Yeah. And so... um once we got to New Zealand, there were some New Zealand fans that we hadn't seen um, uh, ever, you know, because we'd never made it over there wow. for a pumpkin show before. So, that was really special to connect yeah. and catch up with them. And for the show itself, we, um, you know, we stood um, with Lozzie at the uh, lighting desk for a period of the um, show and, and, and watched from there to see oh, wow. him in action. And, you know, it was the, the a very similar sort of gig in that the the performance and the songs played that we had previously seen. And so we were like, well, let's actually enjoy the mechanics of everything else that that's going on um, around us. And like the point that you mentioned earlier with all these other people that play a part in making this show happen. Um, let's, let's kind of watch that and, um, and, and enjoy that. And the crowd itself was smaller than the other shows that we had seen. Um, okay. I don't know how well you know, tickets had, had, had sold within within Auckland, but, um, you know, it was still full, but um, it was, you know, a bit more of a, a, a smaller sort of uh, space within the um, entertainment centre or, um, or whatever it was. So, yeah, overall, similar sort of um, show and performance that, you know, we had seen in, in the previous tour dates as well. Yeah. So what was the, I mean, first of all, I just love the community that you've built with Osphoria and the fact that you have friendships that have developed through that. I know for us, we've been very lucky to meet so many great people through this podcast and connect with people that we haven't before. And it just kind of Makes me feel like it did in that, you know, the, the 2000, you know, era, era where I was on the message boards and stuff and connecting with other fans. So it feels really cool. Um, so I, I, I just want to commend you for putting together something so great that Australian and New Zealand fans can have Thanks. Uh, that feels special and that you have that community. So uh, congratulations on that. That's really awesome. So now that you're at the end of this tour... And you've gone through seeing these shows. What does that feel like afterwards? Like the come down from that? Like how do, how do you return back to the real life after something like that? Yeah, rea- when you follow a band like that. Yeah, reality sucks after a rock and roll tour. It's, <laughs> right. it's like, oh, wait, that's right. Work and things. Um, I think for... Because, you know, with the other the Pumpkins tours that, that we had done... Uh, in 2008 and 2010 and, and even Billy's Future Embrace, we'd always flown home the next day. Like, it'd been like, okay, tour's wrapped up, let's head home. And that come down sucked because then it would be like, come home and go to like, unpack bags yeah. and get it back into reality. We, we stayed in New Zealand for, yeah, uh, an extra 
three or four days or something. And I think nice. that was like a little life lesson for us of like, you don't, you don't need to rush back to reality. Like just enjoy that moment, enjoy that high. And, um, you know, we, um, I shouldn't say we, my wife took so many amazing photos throughout the, the shows, which we've, you know, we've shared on us for year of the years. And I think we've got a, a Flickr account where they probably exist somewhere. And, you know, she spent that, um, some of that time um, editing those and, and, and pulling them together and, you know, distributing those and some, you know, sp.com used some of them, which was great. Um, and so, yeah, we, we made sure to allow ourselves that sort of time afterwards to just come back to, to reality and, um, you know, received uh, some nice messages from, from the band for the, you know, the support and us being present at all of the shows and, you know, wishing them all the best for, you know, what was, you know, uh, another 30, 40 dates ahead of them um, as they continued yeah. that tour around the globe. So, um, uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, if anyone else is ever doing a full big tour like that or just anything, just, yeah, give yourself some t- breathing space before you go back into reality. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is quite the crash. I mean, even for us where Pat didn't get to go to the Anaheim show, but I got to attend two of the shows this last tour. And even from there, of just being like pretty fairly close, about two, three hours away, and then the Hollywood Bowl show happening a couple of days later, and then us seeing a, a, a private performance, a K Rock thing. Yeah. After that, you're like, it's a it's a bit jarring, yeah. you know, especially when you make your life like basically with how much time we put into this podcast, mm-hmm. it could feel like a whirlwind of like Christmas morning a little bit, and then after that, being like, well, here are my toys, but then oh, I wish I had the feeling of Christmas morning still. Yeah. Yeah. Which shows are you going to, are you taking your family to uh, for the, uh, this tour for the world is vampire? So tour? we're just heading to Adelaide, which uh, I don't know the dates that well. I think it falls like in the middle of the, the tour. Yeah. Um, and main reason is um, not all of the shows are all ages. So um, for us to be able to take our daughter, oh, right. that's the, the best uh, sort of space. And it's a big, um, it's the Adelaide entertainment center where we've seen them perform on previous tours as well. So yes, yeah, so we're just going to check out that one. Uh, tour, but we've got some friends and uh, fellow Osphorians heading to, yeah, a number of them around Melbourne and into um, Sydney as well. So, uh, nice. yeah, keen to see how it all plays out. Some really sort of interesting venues that have been selected, you know, like rural sort of areas outside of the metro city, which, uh, yeah, be interesting to see how what the stage setup is and all of those sorts of things and how it all kind of comes together. Yeah, I wonder if they're touring with the... I would imagine so, since it's a lot of projection. Yeah. It's just kind of projecting Linda Strawberry's images there. So I wonder if that's going to be the case or if they're going to do anything different. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, that that's in April, right? Yeah, uh, correct. Yep. Yeah, I think one of those shows is around my birthday, so don't be surprised if I show up in Australia out of nowhere. <laughs> I, I highly doubt it, but... Uh, one of them's around my birthday still. as well. The one that we're going to Adelaide, oh, nice. it's like a few days before my birthday, so I'm like, yeah, this counts as your birthday. When's your birthday? 28th of April. Oh, nice. Mine's 19th. Yeah. Nah, brilliant. We're, we're all in good company. <laughs> so, is there anything else you want to mention about this tour? And also, I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about Oceania, the album itself, too. Yeah. Um, anything you would like to bring up, please? The The floor is yours. Sure. Um, I think uh, the tour itself just met the expectations that we 
we kind of had and that we'd hoped for. I think, you know, the past few weeks, knowing that we were going to chat, I really tried to put myself back in that sort of mindset of like 2012. What were my expectations for the Pumpkins at that stage? And it was for them to play these large shows with, you know, amazing visual production and playing like a, you know, all of these deep cuts and it, it, it met all of that. And it was just fantastic to see the, the unit of the four that had been together for a few years at that stage start to really gel to an, an amazing level. You know, Nicole and Mike were fantastic in, in what they brought to the band in within that time period. And, and just to see the band having fun and the crowd's reaction to the tours as well and to the shows was so positive um uh and yeah even reviews and you know the the press coverage that they were getting throughout that tour obviously being associated to, to splendor was yeah just really an enjoyable time um and you know throughout that time billy did a number of different little tv appearances and things as well so it was nice they felt like they were here and they were doing everything and yeah uh, yeah as i mentioned we got to hear luna on the tour and i'll i'll take that um any day of the week so yeah yeah uh and what are your feelings on the album yeah so i will say still this is my number one post reformation album um and i don't yeah. know if that is for you know a lot of the reasons that i've shared around it coming out at this this time this tour the excitement um i just find it to be a really cohesive and um and, and beautiful album with that that balance of variety that that the pumpkins are so unique to to having and just yeah that overall sort of structure and maybe it was because of the the topics that billy was singing about that heartache and you know and uh everything that he included within it there is that level of um you know, i can connect to this and find that sort of personal sort of connection yeah it's one that i i, I fall back into listening to quite frequently you know probably more than say zeitgeist and others as well um just because of yeah that, that that sort of i think personal connection to it so definitely a favorite yeah would love to hear some of those the songs come back into the the live uh uh the live appearances again yeah agreed. i agreed i think a lot of people would agree with you about it being one of their favorites it's just something very special and unique and i mean you'll you've heard it probably on the episodes that we did covering this but we really appreciate what nicole and mike brought to it and especially mike having yeah. to fill in those huge shoes but nicole especially yeah. just what she contributed to to this album and the band at that time was really special and i think in my opinion the best bass has sounded on pretty much any pumpkins album you know very unique and interesting uh yeah nicole is awesome well simon thank you so much for joining me on this episode and where can people find you online uh, if you want them to? Or anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, of course. Um, so feel free uh, to connect with me directly on uh, Twitter. Well, that 
platform still exists um, at, uh, at Sunkey. Um, and, uh, and obviously, we've also still got our Osphoria um, uh, Twitter account on there. Um, Osphoria.com still exists. Um, it doesn't get updated like it used to back in the day. Um, but um, And the, the community itself is, uh, uh, ha- hasn't been active for, for a long time. Um, but we know that you know, there's a number of us that are still connected in other ways. And one thing that you know, for us, we're so happy to see you know, the likes of yourselves running this podcast and so many others that are doing other great communities and bringing other Pumpkins fans um, together in you know, all the different ways that we can now besides you know back in the day which was uh message boards and 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 that was it so yeah feel free to hit me up and i'm um, always happy to to chat pumpkins and share anything uh with anyone excellent well thank you so much for joining us here on the smashing Pumpcast. and yeah again i mean i can't emphasize enough how great it is that you started osphoria and that you have this wonderful community there uh thank you for what you do and uh, I am proud to be part of the pumpkin family uh, with the likes of you. Yeah, and very much the same. So thanks, thanks for having me today, Frank. Appreciate it. All right. And with that, we bid you all a fond farewell and good.